Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host Aditi Kuti, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast. Um, I am back uh, with Jordan Travers, who is a clinical, licensed clinical social worker um, and a psychotherapist. You specialize in severe mental illness and trauma therapy, and you also work uh, with relationships, both the relationship with yourself and the relationship, your relationships with other people. Um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm really excited to chat to you today. Likewise, thank you for having me, Aditi. Um, We're going to be talking about romantic rejection um, and how to move on from romantic rejection using um, forgiveness and healing. Um, But before we kind of talk about that, um, can you can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Jordan Travers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and I'm also a clinical director and co-founder of Awake Therapy. It's an online teletherapy platform that my husband, who is a psychologist, and I created to that's not subscription based we just wanted to be able to provide affordable uh therapy to those in need um and that's that's what we do we have 25 therapists uh, in different states across the u.s that work with us and some internationally and and we love it that sounds so awesome i think accessible mental health care and 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 psychotherapy is so so important i think especially post pandemic where people have realized how much it's affected their health and how much the pandemic was the nexus it was the point when everyone was like okay no i think i do need to talk to somebody yeah absolutely um uh but i guess that's kind of what you do for work uh, we now have a we have we have a section called have you met jordan travers where we ask you a little bit more about yourself personally are you happy to answer some quick questions about yourself there are no no wrong answers sure <laughs> um what is your favorite book sapiens by yuval noah harari Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm surprised that that one hasn't been recommended on the show yet. Um, I would have expected, we've done a few episodes now, I would have expected someone had brought it up by now. <laughs> He's my, I have a um, lot of respect for him as a, as a person, as a historian, and I read that book uh, so quickly. I, can't, I could reread it indefinitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about a favorite movie? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a fantastic movie. It was definitely my favorite of last year, for sure. Um, What about a podcast you've been really into lately? So I'm really into the Huberman Lab podcast. I really like Andrew Huberman, and I think he makes, you know, scientific research accessible for the normal lay person. And I think he does a great job. And science communication is, is, is one of those things that is so sorely needed. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, for sure. And what about a famous, a famous role model of yours? 
So I will say, so Carl Young, I'm a big fan of his, but I know you are in Australia. I, I actually played college tennis. I love tennis. And my daughter loves Ash Barty. I know she's retired now, so I feel like into honor, uh, to honor Australia, I should also throw her in there. I think she's a remarkable woman athlete, and I have a lot of respect for her. So she's she's added to that list as well. Uh, Ash Barty is just like an incredible woman. I'm actually really into tennis as well. Um, and she's like, she's one of my favorites. She's such an incredible person. I can tell um, Ash, if just... you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> I would hope Ash Barty is listening to this right. podcast. If she did, she should absolutely give us a shout out. Absolutely. <laughs> um, she's, I could gush about her forever, but I'm going to move on to the next question sure. before I start to do that. Um, what, what about, um, the last, the, the most recent course that you completed? So, and that's a good question. So there's, you know, the courses that I take and took academically for, you know, my education for, for my, for my job. And then we also do something called continuing education units as a way just to stay up to date and make sure that we're checking off those those bases and that we're still you know in in the know um but i really enjoyed my psychopathology course that i took in my master's okay okay what exactly is psychopathology for those who are not in the know sure so um yes so i'm a licensed clinical social worker but many people don't understand or realize that LCSWs, we do over 80% of mental health diagnosing and intervention and treatment. So psychopathology, we're talking about disorders. We were getting into the DSM that was prior to moving from the DSM-4 to the DSM-5. And we were just kind of discussing a lot of changes and things of that sort in nature. And I just found it quite interesting. And I really enjoyed the, the conversations we were having within the course. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, we have gotten to know you. Uh, so um, the audience has is now we're all comfortable uh, and we can move on uh, to our topic of the day, which is um, forgiveness um, and using that to heal from romantic rejection. Yes. Uh, I wanted to start off very, very broadly. What is a relationship to you? How would you define a relationship? So I like to say that relationships are a connection, whether they're emotional or spiritual, that we have to someone else. Okay. And our show is kind of primarily about romantic relationships. What? How would you define a romantic relationship? So that's a good question. Uh, it's still a connection that we have to someone else. Uh, perhaps it's requited and hopefully not unrequited, uh, but it's it's a connection also that we have some with someone else, but it's a little bit more intentional. I'd like to say it's, it's a different layer or a different level of, of connection. And do you feel like romantic relationships are kind of the same as they were maybe decades ago in terms of like their structure or maybe how important they are to people? Yes and no. Um, I think our expectations of relationships have shifted and that they have evolved, but they are still one, if not the most significant factor in shaping the quality of our life. Mm -mm. I mean, that would make a lot of sense because for at least 
the majority of romantic relationships, people tend to be living together um, if they're serious. So it would make sense that it dominates such a big part of your life because that's that's your home. You know, that's where you live. Yeah. Um, all right. How do you define romantic rejection? So I see romantic rejection in two different ways. Uh, the first is an unrequited interests like I'm attracted to them but they don't feel the same way about me and the second is uh, is a breakup where one or both of us have decided that the relationship uh is no longer working Mm-mm. yeah I think that's a pretty the pretty good one because um a pretty good way of looking at it because I think when we think of the word rejection, we think of that beginning stage, but romantic rejection can happen at any point, you know, once you've started the relationship as well, because people's feelings change. I would agree with that. Yes. And there's also no guarantee, right? So we've, there's very, there's different phases, right? Sometimes, you know, that honeymoon stage, you click, you have this chemistry, it's hot and heavy. And then out of the clear blue, I mean, they could just, smile the wrong way and you're like oh no that's it um I I don't feel it anymore there's there's various things in this kind of this space where it's like oh do I do I see myself with this person do we have you know interest do we propel each other forward there's a whole litany of questions that we you know ask ourselves both internally and out loud and there's a lot of those, I mean, that's kind of just kind of the emotional um, experience of a romantic relationship, but there's all these external factors as well that I would assume contribute to that um, too. Absolutely. What What are kind of the psychological effects of, a rom- of romantic rejection? Like how does it actually affect you as a person? So... You know, humans, we are resilient creatures and nothing lasts forever. Uh, Even if the deadline is till death, do you part? Uh, You know, I like to say with pain, you know, this too shall pass. But I think it's also essential for us to shift and to, you know, we talk and you had mentioned forgiveness and, and I know that's going to be a focal point in our conversation today, but I, I do think it's important for us to shift away from forgiveness towards acceptance um, because when we are able to accept what happened, we can take back that energy we spent trying to understand why it ended or why it, it's no longer working out. Mm, yeah and I guess we're gonna be I guess exploring a lot of that and like forgiveness and what exactly that entails and how to do it right essentially if there is a right way to do it um in a bit but I think sometimes forgiveness can be used as a way to as an avoidance strategy as well for some people um in that you know you've forgiven them so you don't have to like think about it and sit in those feelings anymore Yeah, you know, also I've seen it too with forgiveness where people will take this stance of like, that's unforgivable. I I can't forgive them. Almost as if they're able to punish this person. And the truth is, right, it it it's do you're not forgiving someone for the other person. You do it for yourself. You know, romantic rejection, it's complex 
and it's nuanced and it's something that we've all experienced because exploring new relationships and and ending them is a natural part of life and it hurts just because a relationship fails it doesn't mean you're unlovable and where I see patients really getting stuck is in the space of the unknown um not speaking openly or honestly to their partner for fear that that they might rock the boat or you know kind of staying in this weird limbo where they're asking themselves you know do they love me or am i just here until they find someone else that's better and this ambiguity that it's not sustainable long term right nobody can really live or exist in that space indefinitely yeah yeah for sure I, communication if we've learned anything from this show in general and all of the people that i've talked to communication is so important to help kind of shed light on some of those um, unknown areas and the things that might feel a bit scary i agree and also Communication isn't this, you know, checkbox of, oh, I took a, t a communications course or I, or I read a book. You know, it's a skill that we continually work on and, and you know, practice and try. It's awkward at first using new communication techniques, like doing anything new for the first time. But with more practice, we get more and more comfortable with it. Mm -mm. And I, I, I want to stress as someone who has taken a communications course that it does not help you communicate better with the people around you. <laughs> um, as someone who has also taken multiple communications courses and who is who is a therapist, I like to say you're absolutely right. You know, you have to you learn by doing trial by fire. <laughs> Essentially. Um, OK, so forgiveness how we we already touched on this a little bit but what role does it play in the healing process and and how how does it affect how we deal with romantic rejection so i think you know when i had mentioned kind of shifting away from forgiveness towards acceptance and i really do believe that that is the first step because we have to move away from forcing ourselves to try to forgive when we're just not ready, right? And the truth is, the first question that we can ask ourselves is, what am I struggling with? Or what am I not willing to accept? Like, where where is that line for me? Because acceptance really is the recognition that perhaps we also aren't quite ready to move on, right? Or that we aren't ready to stop feeling sad or angry. And those emotions are also stages of the cycle of grief. They're, they're valid, they're real, they're natural. And, you know, oftentimes like, oh, I don't want to feel that. And it's like, well, welcome to the human experience. It's in the fine print that we failed to read before you know here we are walking this planet <laughs> it was in the terms and conditions and we hit accept before right. we even bothered to read it <laughs> it's kind of like when you get an uh, an update on your phone like the software update and you're just scrolling you're like yeah i, I accept it when you don't even read you know perhaps like the first sentence or two 
<laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I know that um, is definitely an issue with me in the past and kind of past romantic relationships and entanglements that I've had where like once it's over, I'm like, okay, it's over. I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm moving on. Um, and then I haven't allowed myself to be sad. And then like I've actually been sad for like way longer than I needed to be deep down and I haven't really thought about it at all. Um, so it kind of gets hard for you to move on when you haven't like acknowledge the fact that something that it hurt you when it happened to you i also think it's also important to pause and ask ourselves like what does forgiveness mean to me because we all seem to have different interpretations of forgiveness we have connotations and we kind of color certain words based on or definitions based on the way we feel them in that moment. Um, and I like to say, you know, forgiveness, it doesn't mean forgive and forget. And my favorite quote actually comes from Esther Perel. Um, and she says that forgiveness is the at the end of the journey, right? It's, it's something that oh. happens at the end. And so, you know, holding on to hatred or animosity of a relationship ending it doesn't allow us to move on or to to work on the skills or the capabilities we need to have more satisfying relationships in our life and the first step to forgiveness really is owning our part in the dynamic uh, nothing happens in isolation we don't live in a vacuum and it's our willingness to both look at both perspectives instead of trying to put ourselves on the pedestal of, you know, I'm the martyr or I'm the victim and he's the, or he or she, they are the villain. It's a way to kind of say, all right, let's, let's get honest here. There's an old book. It's really short. And I was actually talking about it with a patient earlier today, oddly enough. Um, it's called, yeah, you're okay. I'm okay. And it's how can we meet each other? It's a way to meet each other in a space of two adults, right? Like I'm an adult and you're an adult and let's have an adult conversation. And here are some ways we can go about doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is there is there a situation in which it is okay to be a little toxic about a relationship that's just finished? Not toxic in a way that's harming other people, um, but just kind of allow, you know, when you're kind of going through it, especially right at the beginning, you have a lot of ugly thoughts about the other person or even perhaps about yourself. Is there kind of... Uh, when we're kind of going through that process of acceptance and heading towards healing from this relationship, is there perhaps an extent to which we should allow ourselves to feel those kind of uglier feelings and the stuff that's kind of perhaps not very good for us, but is happening anyway? So I am a believer and an advocate for feeling it all, right? You can't move through or move beyond what you don't allow yourself to experience you know the you don't run away from the storm you have to go through it um and we we're just we're not able to heal what we're not ready to accept so it's okay to say i'm angry i'm sad i'm upset i'm all of these these emotions you know time is an intervention 
for better or worse. Uh, it's like, you know, Veruca Salt and Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Like, I want it now, daddy, right? It's give it to me now. <laughs> I want it now. And unfortunately, well, for better or worse, life does not bend to our whims um, and things take time. And so with time, the intensity we feel with each of those emo uh, emotions starts to dissipate and the amount of time we spend, you know, cycling through all of those emotions also starts um, to get wider and wider as well. But it's unrealistic to expect, you know, as soon as a relationship ends to be, you know, ambivalent about it or just unaffected, like, oh, it's fine. No, there's going to be some emotions, whether you're on the receiving end of that rejection or whether you're the one that, you know, essentially cut cut it off. It's I'm using a lot of references today. It's like the uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I used to watch the show regularly, and he was explaining to Elaine, um, breakups are kind of like rocking the the Coke machine, the vending machine, right? You push it and, it, and it rocks back and forth a bit before it falls. So there's going to be this this rocking motion of you know, did I do the right thing? Is this good? There's going to be emotions that come up with it. It's it's part of part of the human experience. I do love the references. I feel like they help um, understand it better. And I also think it's going to send anyone watching down a YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> probably mid episode to go and find them. Um, I kind of assuming that, you know, someone has kind of gone through that process of acceptance of healing and they're kind of at the end, they're ready to forgive. Um, how, how do they, go about doing so what what does forgiveness how would you define forgiveness healthy forgiveness first of all um and how do they go about um getting to that or how do they go about the process of forgiving rather so i think the first step is identifying the the difficulty right mm -hmm. like where is that at um and also with recognizing too that we have harmed and hurt others in many ways, just as others have harmed and broken us. Um, and one thing, it's a common theme I've noticed, excuse me, um, with a lot of questions and moving past breakups and that's, you know, how do we move on from something we're not ready to let go of, right? Or it's like, it's an us, it, it, how, you know, what they did to me. And for us to grow and move, we have to accept reality. You know, we have to admit what it is. And when those thoughts of frustration and sadness come up, which they inevitably will, it's practicing just noticing them and accepting them. Um, oftentimes our low mood, we feel like, oh, I, I have no desire or motivation. I have this low mood. Um, and it's because of this emotion that I'm, I'm not able to, to take action. And actually it's really our desire to get rid of that emotion that incapacitates us that we're just like sitting with uh 
I think a really good question out of the starting gate too is, you know, how much of that feeling are you willing to feel without judging uh, or reacting to it? Um, you know, these these thoughts and feelings come up not because you're a terrible person or because you're unworthy of love. They come up because, again, you are a human and it is the nature of the human mind to really wrestle and grapple with these experiences. Um, Carl Jung, again, famously said, uh, we don't so much as solve our problems as we grow out of them. You know, when we learn new capacities and capabilities and skills, we're able to handle and navigate situations much better because we have experience with it. We we know what that pain feels like. And often it's, you know, life is painful. We can't uh, escape that but it's in our effort to avoid pain. Like I don't I don't want the pain of rejection. I don't want the pain of of whatever it may be, fill in, fill in the blank, that we end up creating a whole lot more of it in our lives. Yeah, that's so true. Um, like the way, I'm, I haven't like heard that, that Carl Jung quote before, but it makes a lot of sense and that, you know, you solve a problem, that doesn't mean the problem's gone away or that it's never going to come back again. It just means that you've got the tools to handle it if it comes back at you uh, once more. Um, and it's like, again, the amount of time it takes for you to figure that out <laughs> varies from person to person. There's no real right answer as to how that goes. That's true. That's not like a one size fits all approach. No two relationships are the same um, or experiences. I mean, even if you look at children, right, you can have the same two parents and have the same you know, upbringing and yet their memories and experiences are remarkably different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how can individuals who have experienced just deep emotional pain due to being rejected, how can they, what, what resources are available to them? Where do they begin in kind of trying to move on from that relationship and heal from that relationship and move towards that stage where they can forgive? Um, I think another good question or another, you know, thing we can do is really just pause and ask ourselves, what is my intention here? You know, because a big part of therapy um, and and acquiring resources or doing something that often goes undiscussed is that it's about noticing, uh, noticing patterns, you know, which months and seasons are most challenging for you, um, which sensations have you reflexively reaching for and grabbing a glass of wine or making an online purchase and shifting the focus from the other, the the they and them, uh, moving it towards me, uh, me and the here and the now. And it's a critical self-awareness tool that really helps us navigate these big life 
moments and some of the and and the pain of of being human that's true and i think that um we kind of they're difficult questions i think to ask when you're when you're kind of dealing with rejection right off the bat like we said we deal with a lot of like emotions that are usually seen as negative or undesirable but we kind of have to sit with them and experience them if we really want to move to a place where we can ask ourselves these tough questions right and it's also okay to say i'm not ready right it's okay to say i'm pissed i'm you know i'm whatever fill in the blank that's okay too i think there's this fear where we try to say like i'm just supposed to let go and and move on and that be that and that's not realistic right that's a really unrealistic and a really unreasonable expectation and so it's kind of like okay let's just pause for a moment and be like all right where where might my expectations be perhaps unrealistic here yeah for sure and I'm assuming it's also just like readjusting your expectations constantly based on like where you're at because healing isn't like a linear process where it's like you get from A to B and it improves consistently. It's like you might be better or like doing really well some days and then suddenly it's like, oh, this is actually really tough. Yeah, it's, you know, like the cycle, life is cyclical um, and, you know, just as like a cycle of birth, you know, with medicine, you can tell, you know, when a woman is actually going to deliver, right? We, they've, they've cut it down in terms of like contractions, what have you. There's also a cycle to death. There's that cycle of grief too, where it's kind of this acceptance of, can I just recognize that I'm, I'm feeling like crap today and that, and that's okay, right? I can, if I can say it out loud and perhaps laugh about it or cry about it and, and move through that emotion, we'll feel a whole lot better versus trying to stuff it down and resisting. It It, it doesn't go away. We know that it doesn't go away. Um, but it's, it's also, it's a good idea too to ask like, what's the fear there? You know, what what is the fear that's kind of propelling and perpetuating the intensity of of the emotion yeah yeah what are you what are you afraid of and what could it expose about you like I, I know that that's something that i've always experienced is like i always learn a little bit more about myself every time i go through something like this and then i don't always like it so. yeah we all have a shot we all have the parts of ourselves that we don't feel comfortable perhaps showing or sharing with other people and it really creates this false narrative. Many of us live in this fantasy of like, well, if I just did this one thing different, or if I could just change this one thing about me, then they would want to be with me or everything else would be fine. And that's, uh, it's fiction, right? It's sure, perhaps, you know, in this one instance, things would be different, but you, we aren't God. We can't predict what's going to happen next. It's a mystery. It's the, it's this unknown, and you know, but many of us 
that's a that's an uncomfortable thing to sit with and to realize how what a kind of what is a strategy um that someone can employ if they're healing from romantic rejection um how how can they incorporate that into like their daily life sure um so i know it sounds cliche uh, but I'm going to say it. It's it's meditation. It's to meditate, and it, and I say it because it's true. Um, oh, you know, and I think too, it's also recognizing we live in a society, especially Western. I can say this as a as an American, um, you know, more Western society. We we want things right away. We want to feel like it's instantly better. And meditation doesn't do that necessarily, right? Sometimes you're the first few times like, am I doing this right? Am I sitting correctly? Am I breathing correctly? You feel awkward and uncomfortable, but there are different ways to to tap into meditation. It doesn't have to be this, you know, I sit down and quiet and I, and I don't have thoughts and because that's not realistic. <laughs> Um, I like to say a really great kind of first step into it is, you know, just doing a scan of your senses. You don't have to be seated or laying down. It's just noticing one thing for each of your five senses. And another great technique that also is helpful is to write down the negative thoughts. Um, that are circling in your mind and then write down the opposite and the facts that support both sides Um, because when we're able to do that we can usually find a more probable and balanced view after putting pen to paper yeah uh, finding the I've, I've definitely heard of like reframing self-talk but i haven't heard of like just writing the opposite down and then like arguing with yourself as to like why both sides are true <laughs> that's i i think that's um especially for i think when you are recovering from a breakup we do a lot of like internal conversations and 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 that's a kind of great one i think to have I like to say, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, yeah. times, you know, we think a thought and we don't check it and we're not necessarily saying it out loud. It's just this insidious comment or feeling or thought that just kind of keeps, sur- you know, we ruminate on it and it comes up and we have this confirmation bias where, you know, we look for information fact or fiction you know to support what we're thinking or feeling and it has nowhere to go and we the human condition is incredibly fragile right we we have limited bandwidth so when all of your mental energy is occupying that space we're not able to really be here now well or, or just kind of just be present. So it's a way to, to put your thoughts onto paper. It's a way to oftentimes, you know, some people are internal processors, but many of us are external processors. We just need to say what we're thinking out loud. And they're like, oh, wait, that, that doesn't really check out or, ooh, ouch, 
I can't believe I'm actually saying that about myself out loud right now, but here we go. So, you know, pen to paper, it's a really great way of just kind of putting it all down. And another, if that one feels like, eh, I don't know if I have the, the energy to entertain that, I say like, go full in, right? So what is the absolute worst possible thing about this that could happen from this, right? Like just all like worst possible things, period, right? Just throw it out there, the litany, right? And then after it's done, move on to, okay, what's the absolute best possible thing that could possibly happen and and go to town with that. And then afterwards, okay, well, what's probably the more likely thing that's going to happen, right? So really allowing, when we allow ourselves to kind of tap into those extreme sides, we're able to kind of shift and, and move to a more moderate or, you know, kind of middle ground yeah, absolutely. I that I think that entire answer segues really nicely into our next segment of the day, which is uh, the practice slash habit experiment debrief, sure. um, where we t- talk a little bit about how we can put everything we've discussed into practice. Um, and you've given us a few, but what's what's a practice that you wanted to focus on um, for pe- to help people deal with romantic rejection? So actually, I'm going to give an entirely different example that I think is helpful. And uh, a practice that I think is beneficial is to really make an effort to get outside of your space, um, of your room. Oftentimes, our homes become our, our jail cells. And when we're upset and we're hurting, we become more withdrawn, uh, more isolated, more reclusive, not because we don't want to see other people, perhaps we just feel this sense of embarrassment or, or shame or guilt. And that's actually like the worst thing that we could do. And something as a, as a psychotherapist, I can say this, that I, that I know a really good question, um, that I ask patients out of the starting gate is, you know, how often are you speaking face to face with someone you like, with someone you love, uh, and someone who's a member of your community? Community can be anything, whether it's, you know, religious, uh, fitness, w- whatever community it means to you. And if that answer isn't daily there's going to be some some effects some negative effects so i i say like a really great first step is to get out of your space right to get to really make the effort to just get out of your your house your flats wherever it is and 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 meet up with people like face to face have face to face interactions and some people say Oh, but I'm an introvert, right? I don't, I don't like people. I don't want to talk to people. Okay, fine. You might not want to talk to people, um, but you definitely want to see them, whether that's them, you know, like pumping gas or grabbing a cup of coffee, where, wherever it is. You want to see people out in the world interacting in the world. So give yourself an opportunity to do that. 
Yeah, I... Is there is there a right and a wrong way to go about doing this? Because there's a lot of uh, I, I, a lot of people kind of resort to clubbing and and kind of alcohol and bars um, sometimes to escape out of their own space. Um, and there are plenty of other kind of stuff that might just be fine temporarily or fine in moderation, but might cause harm to your body in the long term. Are there kind of better means of getting out of your space than others sure um so and i'll be the first i am not here to judge coping skills whether they're positive and pro-social or negative and maladaptive uh lord knows i've done them all um more times than i can count uh for better or worse and you learn something in that space, right? So maybe I'm not ready to accept that pain. I'm not ready to go. I'm, I'm not ready. But one day you might be, right? It's going to be hard, right? Can can you do it? Can you do it scared, right? Because some people say, well, I'm, I'm too scared to do X. Okay, do it scared, right? It, I, I'm too scared to do Y. That's okay. Do it scared, right? I think we have this false belief that uh well actually let me retract I, i'll say that oftentimes you know we'll say oh i'll do it when i feel motivated or energized or what have you but the truth is is that if we're waiting to feel a different emotion we could end up waiting our whole life right so our emotions also change we can feel a thousand and one things simultaneously. Um, I do also think that part of that conversation too is, right? So like if I if I have this behavior and perhaps it's maladaptive or it's not it's not suiting me, I'm not growing. Well, what's the feeling that's propelling it? Um Brene Brown famously said, you know, people really kind of cycle through three emotions. It's like happy, sad, and pissed off. And it's like, well, there are, you know, there's a whole other set of emotions that we can experience. And it's allowing yourself to experience them um, in whatever way they decide to to come up for you. And it's like, okay, well, if I can, if I can tap into that, if I can recognize like, what's that feeling? What's that sensation? then I'm able, you know, that can change. But many people kind of just get stuck in the, they think it's like linear, it's just like bi-directional or it's like behavior, feeling, feeling behavior. And actually <laughs> um, it goes even deeper than that and it goes to needs, right? So if we're able to talk about our needs, whether they're being met or unmet, that's when we can have meaningful, you know, behavioral change. But if we're not talking about that, and that goes all the way back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, if we're not able to talk about those needs, then we're really kind of stuck there. And that that space, right, of, of need, that's really where there's also a lot of growth. Sure. I, I, and I think um, like when you were talking about just kind of getting out of your own space and there's no like right way um to cope 
I guess um, that's kind of it's kind of why I said like you know sometimes you just need to go to a party and it might not be the healthiest option but in moderation it might be okay it might just be exactly what you're looking for at that specific moment and it gets you through the night or the the day whichever it is um, but I think sometimes you know like doing those things that don't on paper seem like the right thing to do uh but kind of internally just feel like it's scratching one specific itch at that particular time um is kind of the way to go i feel like none of what i said made sense no um, it does but- you know it's so interesting too because like with mindfulness and it's uh it's so easy it's so simplistic and yet it's so difficult and challenging and hard to explain it, it it's that's the dialectic with it of it's both of those things simultaneously and i think too a big part of it is like comes down to intention right so if i'm going to this part like what's my intention is my intention to get hammered and lit and and not remember what happened and wake up you know feeling like you know in a in a like haze okay, or is my intention to, okay, I just want to get out and I want to be around other people or have some conversation. It really, it's an opportunity to to check in with yourself and kind of ask, okay, like where, where am I? Like, what's my intention here? What am I, what am I hoping to, to achieve? Um, Can I see the forest from the trees, right? Can I, I might not initially want to get up and get out of bed, you know, because short term, that's a pain in the butt, but long term, I'll feel a lot better for it. Um, and we really overcomplicate, we like to overcomplicate things. It's like healing is really not as hard or difficult as we think it is. You know, it, a big part of it too is to just like, can you be here like right now? They just, whatever that is you know like what are you feeling right now in this moment you know what what is the tone and the temperature and texture of that and and where do you feel that inside of you and many of us are so distracted we want hits of dopamine we're like you know we have like we have many laptops or smartphone with us it's like hit 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 you know we want to have this instant high and it's like that is not sustainable (laughs) that is not you know this is not realistic and we have to we have to talk about that too and for a lot of people it's uncomfortable but you know it as frustrating as it is to maybe hear it you know it is what it is yeah absolutely absolutely when we talk about kind of leaving your own space what are what are the challenges people might have when when trying to do this what might inhibit them from um continuing with this practice sure i mean like i'm feeling like defiant of oh i don't want to right like i don't want to do that eh like feel better now like in this moment without having to do anything um there's a really great book dopamine nation by uh, dr annie lemke she's like she's the head um of addiction 
group at, at Stanford. Brilliant. Um, and she said, and it's true, like research has shown that, you know, oftentimes we want that quick fix. We want that hit. We want to feel better. We want to feel better now. But there is nothing that any, there's no pill that any physician can prescribe you. There's nothing that uh, anyone can do for you or give you that will make you feel better than exercise alone. Like it's, it's definitive, definitive, right? Like there's nothing a 30 minute, I mean, 30 minutes, a 30 minute walk really does wonders. So, I mean, you can push your heels into the ground as much as you want. Right. And then it's asking like, am I, am I like, you know, am I, am I willing or am I being willful? Right. Like, am I, am I willing to, to have some discomfort, to sit with this, to get up, to do something different, or am I just going to be willful and, and sit here, arms crossed and, you know, not feel, you know, kind of like accepting, right. Choosing to do nothing is still a choice. So it's kind of saying, okay, well, I'm choosing to um, be indignant or, or, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, that's your, that's your choice. I accept that, but it ultimately comes down to us, right? Like if I want to feel better, I have to do something different, right? I have to, I think that too is a hard thing for people to hear. Um, You know, you're, partner it's not your partner's job to make you happy and i see that a lot you know like in relationships where it's like well i feel like crap or i feel like that like you need to make me happy you need to do this and you do why uh that it's like well hold on a second uh no they, they can't even if somebody genuinely wanted to do that like wanted to make you happy they can't right i mean it, we have no control over that so it's really in a way taking back your power and saying, you, you know, I I have ownership here. You know, I I get to make these choices for myself. I get to decide. And what am I deciding right now? Right? Like the, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, and sometimes, you know, like with thinking and with meditation, you know, sometimes we think about following a breath and then that just triggers more thoughts and then we fall down this rabbit hole. It's like, okay, well, maybe instead of thinking about breathing, you just feel yourself breathing. Like, what does that feel like to inhale? What does that feel like to exhale? Um, It's these little shifts. It's, you know, am I willing to see this from a different perspective? Am I willing to do something different? Uh, it's really that willingness that makes all the difference. Sure, that actually kind of ties in really neatly with my next question, uh, which is the final one of the segment, um, which is like, do you recommend any other practice or habit that you would combine with leaving kind of leaving your space? I know you mentioned socializing um, is is one. Um, are there are there others that you feel would kind of help this help just make it better or improve it? Yeah, um, going for a walk, some sort of movement, whether it's a park, open space, hike. Just being in nature, just finding a way to to disconnect. Um, nothing good comes from just sitting and scrolling. I've never met a you know, 
the whole idea of like Netflix and chill, it sounds so appealing. I have never met anyone uh, and I and prove me wrong, you know, if there's somebody who's listening to this and is like, Well, I don't know what you're talking about, lady, but find me on Instagram by all means. Like you can let me know. But I've never met a single person who spent all day in yoga pants watching Netflix. It was like, oh, that was such a great day. Now, oftentimes it's like, oh, what am I doing with my life? What did I do? Like, you know, I could have been productive, whatever, you know, the the questions that kind of pop up into your mind. It's like, okay, well, disconnect just for a little bit, right? Can you, can you go for a walk? Maybe it's going for a drive even, right? So maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I also like to say too, a really great first step is taking a shower. Uh, something about just kind of warm water, hot water washing over you. And I say like, take a shower. And as soon as you get out of the shower, decide, right? Like dress for that time of the day. You can, you can change your makeup. You can change your hair. You can do whatever, right? It's almost look at it as like a rebirth of like, okay, I'm going to step in and I'm going to come out clean. And then I'm going to, you know, dress or do whatever I want. And it's a really great way to kind of like pause. And there's something really comforting about having, you know, warm water, that sensation on, on your skin and that it, it's just very soothing in, in many ways for a lot of people. Sure. I'm about to prove you wrong. Actually, I had a great day. Um, just like, Netflix Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Adi>. all right. <laughs> a full context, full context. Um, I had had a series of very, very long weeks uh, where I was out of the house for like very, very long hours and working over time quite a bit. Um, so having one day to myself where I was doing absolutely nothing important was really nice. Um, it's not something I could, I have done, there have been times when I've like, that's all I've been doing with myself because I've been unemployed and like not just kind of like not in the best mental state. And those that, that I agree with you. That's like, no one has a good time when they're, when they're kind of just doing it for constant periods of time. Right. But I think like if you're having a really just like doing quite a bit um, with yourself that requires a lot of your attention and you just need to kind of turn your brain off and and not think <laughs> there's probably better ways than spending an entire day on netflix i'll, I'll give you that um and i did take a walk during the day so it's not like that's the only thing i did um but i, I had a great time because <laughs> i was like I i'm like not gonna let, let myself feel guilty it's, it's true though it's you know, and, and I think too, it's like intention, right? So you even said, yeah. right? Like I had a really stressful two weeks and I just needed to disconnect and decompress and that's okay. Like that's, that's fine. But you had the intention, like it was the intention of like, yeah, I'm true. intentionally choosing to do this. And I really do think intention makes all the difference. That is very true. Um, I know that I've always regretted it when I've ended up on Netflix longer than I wanted to. <laughs> I'm not judging. But I that, mean, I've been there. Like I said, there's no good, bad, right, wrong, yes, no. We've we've all done it. We've all been there. You're allowed to judge. Um, I'm giving you full permission to judge me <laughs> if you like. <laughs> Um, but I had fun and I won't apologize. <laughs> um, I'm here for all of um, 
Uh, that brings us to the end of the practice um, slash habit experiment debrief. Um, we've now got a couple of questions from the audience. Are you happy to answer them? Yes, yes. Fantastic. Um, the first one um, is a very simple question, um, but well, it's not simple. I'm sure it's going to have a long answer, but I just love the way it's phrased. It simply says, why do rejections hurt um, with a heartbreak emoji at the end of it? Uh, because they do, uh, because it hurts when someone it, it's not it automatically kind of triggers these thoughts of Am I not good enough? What did I do wrong? What did I do right? And it's painful, right? It's so it's this feeling of, oh, yuck, right? Like that stings and it's it's not fun. We've rejected other people too, though, right? Oftentimes it's really yeah. easy to think about what they're doing to us, right? Like, look what you did to me. It's like, well, look at what you've done to other people too right it's you know like through the looking glass it's really easy to to say oh you know this is what they did with trying to to circumvent how we play a role in that. and it also you know growth is uncomfortable it just is and i like to say too like as a as a positive reframe um it's forcing you to grow it's life forces you to grow in ways that you may or may not have anticipated but you're learning more about yourself and it's also an opportunity not that you're gonna be able to perhaps do it like in that moment when you're feeling you know emotional overwhelm or you're in that emotional space but really asking yourself like what's my role and and this like do i have a pattern do i have a pattern of choosing emotionally unavailable partners or partners that just aren't a good fit for me we it's upon us to kind of to sit and really hold space for some of those questions not to perhaps change them right then and there but just to see what comes up um it's it's part of it's part of growing and growth hurts. Absolutely. Um, is forgiveness always necessary for healing from romantic rejection? Are there situations where it might not be appropriate? Um, yeah. So there are um, instances, right, where it's like, okay, they've done something like really abhorrent. Um, forgiveness again it's not for them it's something that you do for you to let go and also forgiveness does it forgiveness isn't a feeling i think it's really important to to hold space for that it's not you know it's not it doesn't mean a reconciliation it doesn't mean that i condone what happened right forgiveness can also be you know, I forgive them and I op and I absolutely will never allow something like that to ever happen to me again, right? It, it doesn't mean that they have to be a part of your life or that you ever have to see them again or speak to them again. Um, it, it really also, it's a, forgiveness is a form of strength, right? It takes a lot of bravery and courage and strength 
to say, you know what, I forgive you. And it's not easy and it's not this like one and done, like I just do this meditation and I'm going to forgive them. No, no, yeah. you know, it, it's a process. It's it's a cycle of grief. It's really sitting with it and asking like, am I ready? And even when you have forgiven a person, sometimes that memory comes up and you're like, oh, that's so irritating or that burns and that, okay, right? But forgiveness is really what allows us to to not be binded to our past, right? It's it's in when we choose not to forgive someone, it it jails us in many ways. It keeps us attached and binded to to pain. To, to it's it's really a form of suffering, right? There is a difference between pain and suffering. Sure. And when you were saying earlier that forgiveness is not necessarily, you know. Uh, condoning their actions or um, kind of uh, tell, like reconciling with that person. It reminded me of something you said earlier in the show about um, how you, forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. Correct. You know, you can forgive someone, but then you can also learn from the experience. Um, and and you, you're moving on from that specific relationship, but that doesn't mean you haven't changed in some way. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I guess the next question is, oh, oh no, I have lost it. <laughs> How do you know that you're ready to love again um, after healing? It's if, you know, it, it's, a, it's a feeling. It's, a, it's an awareness. It's an openness, right? It's, it's not forced. It's not this, oh, I got to, you know, occupy the space um it, it's different for everyone it, it's gonna sound cliche but it's true like when you know you'll know and i also think too a part of forgiveness or it, it's it, it, it's not directly the same but it's related because it's all holistic right we so oftentimes we try to isolate and we're like, it's this and how do I fix this? And it's like, well, no, it's all connected, right? If I don't feel good physically, I'm not going to feel good emotionally and vice versa. And so part of that too, even like with dating, so many of us, like we look at dating and relationships, like as soon as we meet someone, like, is this the person? Is this the one? Right. It's, you know, it's like a job interview. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's really intense. It's like, can you just allow yourself to get to know somebody? Right. Can you just, uh, are you curious? Are you playful? Are you willing? Are you, are you, yeah, I mean, I think let's say willingness, right? Like, are you willing to, to interact with somebody outside of your sense of self? Um, in a in an unknown way you know in an open kind of fashion 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, beautiful answer to a difficult question, I think. Um, but that does bring us to the end of our segment um, about the questions from the audience. We now have our open mic segment where I let you have a mini TED talk about whatever you want um, that you feel like you need to talk about right now. So, um, Jordan, what did you have? Uh, what is your what What are you um, kind of saying on your soapbox today? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that, like that debrief section part, but it really is the importance of relationships of people of face-to-face interaction especially with you know the dating landscape has changed immensely over the past decade and and you know previous decades with online dating as such and we're just we're not designed for that we're not designed to continually be looking at a screen it makes i mean the research is out there it's also pretty definitive that it's going to make us feel lousy right like we're just not going to feel great we we want face-to-face interaction we want communication and that's important right so it's really can you challenge yourself to do that right can you can you challenge yourself to to interact face to face with people in your community to get to know somebody to to get out of your of your space in a way i mean that really it really really is such a significant factor in our life you know the relationships we have with other people and i can't i i can't uh speak to that enough really the importance of just getting to talk face to face it it really does make a world of difference because we i'm sure a lot think that we're so different right of like how could anybody possibly know what i'm going through um or that we're just unique and we're special in this and um, those are little lies that we like to tell ourselves because we're not really all that different um we all know what pain feels like i might not be experiencing or have experienced the same exact pain that you're going through but i know what pain feels like and i know it sucks so i was like all right can we just and often just having somebody the energy of somebody there with you right they don't have to say anything and it was just like the fact that somebody's willing to give you their time and just share space with you um it really does help yeah, for sure. And I know, you know, technology, we, 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 we don't, we, we don't kind of condone kind of connecting with people over technology, but ironically, something that social media has taught me is that I don't have a single unique experience. Um, the combination of my experiences might be unique. Um, but every little thing I think that I have gone through, no matter how specific might have actually been experienced by another person out there. Um, so I think it helps to kind of talk to other people and allow yourself to be surprised by what they might have to say. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, we hear, we can hear the same thing over and over again, but somebody else says it and it's the way they say it, uh, that it just resonates and it clicks and it's like, Oh, that's it right so it's a way to just of of openness uh, of connecting um 
Harvard did the ha- the happiness project. Um, they've studied happiness. God, it's something like the fifty. I think that JFK in that study, right? And they show, yeah, and, and they it's like one of the mo- the longest longitudinal studies. And they they really looked at like what is happiness, like what makes people feel happy, and it's relationships, right? It's it's our connection to other people, and if we don't feel connected to someone else or to something bigger than ourselves, right? I'm not taking this like on a religious theological path, right? It's like I don't care. You believe what you want to believe. But like, can you recognize that there's some connection here that we all have a lot in common or that, you know, yeah, that we're not, you are not God, right? Or like, I am not, you know, like I'm not the person essentially that, that, uh, ha- that makes these choices for humanity, D- despite, you know, our desire to do so, um, we don't have that power and it's like, okay, can I just, you know, like get to know other people can i have those interactions and that really is that's the biggest factor so when i said you know the getting over forgiveness or getting past a relationship and my emphasis on like getting out talking face to face with somebody it, it was twofold right it's like yeah i can have some fun right like maybe i'm laughing with them crying with them whatever emotion that comes up but maybe too it's just i just need to be around someone else other than my own thoughts because our brains I what that old saying idle hands are the devil's playground right like when we don't have much to do our brain starts to go places it has no business going it falls down these like deep dark caverns and it's like whoa that was dark I don't know where that from. <laughs> I was like okay well and that's your sign that maybe you should get out of the house <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure take a walk and touch some grass um all right uh that kind of brings us to the end of our episode for today jordan um you've had such beautiful things to say um, uh, to pretty much every question i've asked you today where can people find you um well that was such a nice compliment i'm gonna take that compliment um <laughs> thank you uh so if people are interested um I, our website is uh, www.awaketherapy.me. Um, I also, we have another website too, therapytips.org. Um, my husband is a psychologist, but collectively we write articles on, on research that, you know, oftentimes in society, it's so funny. It's like we're more focused on Taylor Swift lyrics, which don't get me wrong. I love Taylor Swift. She's amazing. Um, but it's like, well, let's also perhaps look at some of like the evidence-backed research and science on things that we can and do because that's also important and informative. So we uh, we do try to make this information as accessible for others. Um, I also have, I'm present on YouTube and Instagram. So just you can Google my name. It's spelled a little funny, uh, J-O-U-R-D-A-N and then Travers, uh, T-R-A-V-E-R-S see what comes up i uh, we're out there we're in that um the wild wild west of the internet and yeah you know you can send us a message an email schedule consults well, we're here for all of it fantastic thank you so much i've had a great time talking to you today oh, likewise aditi I, this is a wonderful um opportunity i i appreciate uh, i appreciate the invitation 
You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.